1: Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Tuesday morning. It's January 30th, and we have the Wolves 107 101 win in Oklahoma City on Monday night to talk with Jason Frederick about on today's show. Uh, a big win in that it now ties the season series 2 to 2 uh, with the Thunder uh, for, for tiebreaker purposes at the, the top of the West, but also because the Thunder loss push them back to third uh in in the west right now i think they could have gone all the way to fourth if the clippers would have won point being things are really tight at the top of the west oklahoma city was like on sunday morning the sole possession of the number one seed things are sliding around here so um a huge win for the wolves from a seeding perspective and a huge win from kind of getting back on track uh jace i think we uh we start talking about this game with the, the late game offense. We've been talking about late game offense a bunch recently uh, in the the negative way uh, but it worked last night. What stood out to you about the late game offense um, and, and why was it better in this one? It was
2: I think it was like it, it was that everybody was involved in it. Um, literally like everybody had opportunities like no nah, I was getting the ball in positions to try to score and like I think he missed like a jumper and that was what Jaden tipped back in, but like Jaden got an open corner three, like Ant certainly got his looks as well. You know, like it was, it was allowing everybody to touch the ball and try to make plays. And you just see like that can work. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can make the right decision and let your teammates take shots and make plays. And do you like Jaden making that three probably makes it all the more likely that? You know, a minute and a half later, he's going to crash the boards and and try, yeah. you know attack like that because he feels like he's a part of the game, <laughs> like and alert offensively and all these types of things. Like they all tie into each other. They don't seem like they do, but like players will tell you they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like that's, well, even on the ant form. dunk,
1: right? Like they tied in together because it it goes Rudy like four minutes left in the game. Rudy post up dunk. Yeah. Uh, the next position, Nikhil kind of had a, a pump. From the corner, took a couple steps in, hit that mid-range shot, which he's actually, when wide open, hit consistently this year. Jaden hits the, the corner three. And then it is like, I mean, Ant went decisively, and yeah. there was other things and that Ant pulled, did on that possession for, yeah. for the dunk. But, like, it, that dunk is a lot easier for Ant to basically seal the game um, after the three lesser offensive weapons, you know, score the three previous possessions. That's what popped to me most you know, right there, particularly with the, the ant one kind of wrapping things up.
2: What But I think what frustrates me a little bit is like, say they, they were good shots and say they don't go down. And then that's when people try to be like, no, you ants got to take these shots. Like.
1: Yeah. Right, right. Like, I,
2: I mean, I think at some point you just have to trust that making the right basketball play works out more times than not. Um, mm-hmm. And like last night it did. And there will be other games where like Jane will get two open corner threes and they won't go down. You know, and you'll be like, well, what was that? Like, you know, you got to find a way to get ant shots there. Like, just trust that the right play is going to work out more times than not. And it certainly worked out in their favor
1: last night. It did. Um, what like what what was why hadn't it been working? You, you wrote about that uh, recently with how bad the, the clutch time offense had been. I was just rereading that, that story of yours this morning. And it it tells the story of how good this team was. Uh, In the clutch, in fourth quarters, um, up to Christmas, and then literally the inverse of that uh, after Christmas this past month where they've they've been, you know, really bad in in clutch time and and in the fourth quarter. In my head, I I think about that and I go, man, it was right at Christmas or right after Christmas, right after that Thunder game on the 26th when Ant started the, I need to be more uh, aggressive the bullets in the
2: chamber. Yeah. The bull- yep.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. And, and that's, I mean, he, he kind of stuck to his guns on that. Some, it kind of disoriented something certainly at, at the end of games. Is that the biggest shift you're seeing or, or what else, what else stood out? I know you had a bunch of numbers on how, how bad, <laughs> how bad the clutch offense had been prior to to last night over the last month. Yeah, that was at 100% I
2: think. Um it was like just in like that stretch of time, um Ant and Cat were each four for 15 from the field mm-hmm. in clutch time and nobody else had more than like six shots or something like that. Like like the aggregate of everybody else was significantly less than the 30 that Cat and Ant had taken. Um and it's it's just like when that means that everybody else the defense knows that these other guys aren't threats cuz they're not going to get the ball. Uh, they know it, it's going to be Ant and Cat and Ant and Cat are going to go up against stacked defenses. Um and that's really hard. And you're not going to succeed in those spots, and you're going to lead to bad jumpers that are, you know, often do lead to like transition opportunities the other way. Like it's, it's going to lead to stacked defenses where everything gets kind of clogged in. If you know you're not kicking out, and I'm making the right play, and guess what? Now that leads to more turnovers. Like mm-hmm. it's just bad basketball. Um, in that mindset shift, and I do think, and saying like I left both in the chamber, I needed to be more aggressive. Like that was a big part of it. Um, you can just see like you can be aggressive. When the opportunity clearly presents itself when you have a runway to the rim off of like a high screen and roll where everybody's a little less willing to help in because everybody else has taken shots and made shots in the previous two minutes last night. So much more effective than everybody else squeezing into the elbows and you being like, I'm just going to go anyway. And Kat's Mm going to be like, I'm going to bulldoze it through or Ant's going to be like, oh, there's a defender at the elbow. I'll just pull up in front of him. Shoot this twenty footer with a hand in my face, like it can be better basketball, and and that's what it was last night. And it was a good shift for Minnesota. And I think, you know, you can tell Chris Finch afterwards was pleased with it. And he's just like, hopefully, this is what we're working towards now. We're just going to keep pounding and make the right play, make the right play, make the right play.
1: On one hand, it makes total sense to me that a team whose highest usage player, twenty-two year old highest usage player, you know, is volatile in in the clutch, right? Um, that even as a very good 22 year old, I think some of that is to be expected. So, what I find myself right. particularly when I'm going back through and watching like fourth quarters and I'm doing the oh my god, like Ant again, you know, like I go, okay, you know, 22, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to do this yet. A lot of uh 22 year olds don't. It's this weird juxtaposition though, right? Where you're a team with aspirations of contention, however you you kind of want to define that. And I think in your article, that's what like really struck home with me, where I'm like, okay, no, Jace is like just being hard on ant here and 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 this and that. But you're what you're doing is what I often try to do is like, it's like, okay, let's hold this team to the standard that they've stated for themselves, right? Of, of being a contender, being a team that you know wins around multiple rounds in the playoffs. And I, and you just went through of the, from the, the last 10 years of teams that have had a negative, the, the, the teams with negative clutch net ratings, none of them have won a title, two have reached the finals, which is 10% of the, those total teams. Only seven of them, 18% of the total teams have reached the conference finals. And then the Wolves... That rating is like really negative. Some of those other teams. Yeah, I'm sure you got better last
2: night. But yeah, but yeah, it was negative 4.9 ahead of that game. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I'm sure it's still negative. um, But that was a step in the right direction. Like if you can't win close games, like that is, guess what you're going to play in the playoffs. Like a lot of games that are decided in the final five minutes, you know, like ideally you're positioning yourself. So you're like up six heading into the last five minutes, not down six. And then it's really, it's just played out from there. Mm-hmm. um so you you've got to find a way to win close games you've got to find a way and frankly like more of the entire playoffs are played out like the last five yeah. minutes of any game like it literally is like 48 minutes of that a lot of times um so how can you execute uh when when the opposing defense is locked in super tight on their game plan they know exactly what they're going to take away what they're not uh-huh. um and how can you make the right play again and again if you can't you won't win um i think I, it's, and like we saw this, like in the Memphis series, they lost those three games. In the Denver series, like the game they won, they were up twelve with two forty left, and then Ant put up some really bad shots at the end of regulation, and and they just missed things and bad turnovers. And all of a sudden, it's tied. Um, so it's like you can't have that happen if you want to win a championship like this mm-hmm. year. Which I I always say it again and again. Like it, it. This is what's a little weird about this roster is that Ant's twenty two, um, and you there's easily a world where a lot of other 22-year-olds are learning things and whatnot, and and there's not, you know, maybe they want to be a playing team, maybe they want to be a playoff team, but like, this is at some point, Rudy Gobert's not going to play at this level for his NBA career. Like, at some point, there's going to be a drop-off, and he hasn't hit it yet, so take advantage. Uh, Mike Conley is, you know, here for this, this year on his contract. Who knows what comes next year? Like, he's got this really good roster right now, so that's what's weird about it, is I agree he's 22. I agree a lot of 22-year-olds don't execute perfectly mm-hmm. in these spots. You wouldn't expect it, but like, this is a it's a, I'm not saying there will be more windows, but this is kind of a mini window right now. Like there's no like super yeah. team in the NBA or anything like this. is a Pretty good shot at it. Um, so, yeah, I think the Wolves are really hard on Ant. And I think everybody else should be like, you know, you can only really get so many passes this year. And he did a good job last night. And it's just yeah. a reminder of like you can do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just make the right play. Get it in your head. I need to make the right play. I think you know, it took one bad shot in the last five minutes last night. Um, and it was the only possession they didn't score. Um, where it was after that dunk, and the next time down, he did some dribble dribble. Like got to eighteen feet, bank mm-hmm. shot didn't go down. It was a tough look where he got two guys on him. But other than that, everything else was really good decisions. And you saw bucket, bucket, bucket for the team.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm glad you referenced the the playoff stuff. I was thinking about this the the other day, and we we think about all right this problem um, fourth quarter offense, clutch offense for for this Wolves team this season. And, and part of your mind goes to, well, come playoffs, Ant hits another level. He has the the last two playoffs. But I, I was thinking about the Grizzlies series in particular, and I, so I, I should start by saying this, I do think Ant will hit some sort of uh, another level when, when the playoffs come. I think he's wired that way. I think he's one of those dudes. But you think about that Memphis series, and what were they most concerned about in that series. It was Carl Anthony Towns. Um that was the focus. It was it was matchups to take that away. That was their main concern um there. Plus that Wolves team had more shooting, right? That's Pre Gobert. That's you got Malik Beasley. You got you just had you just had more shooting uh, on that team. So there was a Ants saw so many fewer looks in that series in fourth quarters that look like what they look like now if that makes sense, just loaded up two, two and a half, three guys uh, kind of in his way, because one, he wasn't the primary focus, two, there's more, there's more shooting and spacing around him. And then I think you look at the Denver series and certainly had more attention in that one, but they ultimately prioritized, I think, cat two by putting their best cat slash ant garter, Aaron Gordon on cat and Contavious Caldwell Pope, who's not a bad defender, but one-on-one he didn't have any answers for Ant there too so it's this like gradual pr- progression I think over the past few years of shifting into Ant being the primary focus to take away which I think come playoff time lessens the guarantee that Ant's just going to be able to figure it out right he's gonna see these doubles he's gonna see these things and they're going to push the ball um, in different directions and I think two win games in the clutch like yeah Ant's gonna need to make some some difficult shots and and do his thing. But more so than the past two seasons, I think he will be pushed um to, to yeah, just to to share the ball. And the offense will need to find offense in ways that are outside of ant compared to previous yeah, seasons.
2: Yeah. And I do think like and, and anyway, I I am also confident that he'll take this game to a different level. But then we do see like there's doing that. And then there is doing that in playoff clutch time, which is like an even higher sense of all of mm-hmm. this, where like, you know, last year it wasn't awesome. Um, yep. at the end of games um, and in Memphis series like that game six loss to Memphis I just remember like I don't remember it exactly now but watching back the last five minutes I was like okay they put Jordan McLaughlin in. they scored on every possession where Jordan McLaughlin touched the ball <laughs> I, he just didn't touch the ball at like four or five right. possessions because Ann and Cat were just going back and forth and whoever got the ball just shot it Um, mm-hmm. and that's what they do you know like, like and we see some of that now we see that rear it's head back now in this last month um, and you just see how much harder it is It looks like you're not running any offense. It looks like you're not doing anything because it's like one guy going against the stack defense being like, I got it. Mm -hmm. I got it. You know, like, um, and it just, when you, when you are just using the five guys, the four guys around you, like it's just, it's significantly easier. I am like that playoff thing. I don't want to get too far off track. We talk about the playoffs a lot. You and I do, but uh, I don't know. I feel like, I still feel like teams are going to, if they have to make a choice of like an Aaron Gordon type player. So I don't know how many teams even have this. I still feel like to put them on cap um and just kind of really clog up that part of the offense and deal with ant because i don't think there's a guarantee that if you put aaron gordon on ant that you're just going to stop ant um mm-hmm. so now it's like now we're freeing up cat and maybe not totally taking away ant where our, we can kind of take away cat and then just mm-hmm. deal with ant with everybody else
1: i think um yeah to to take that the denver example specifically come in the playoffs and if they do that and they put gordon on cat I think Finch gets significantly more deliberate about Carl in the corner and Carl space. Yeah, you just you would just yep. it would it would have to be the the recourse there, which I think then maybe gets Denver to get a little bit funky and they go, okay, well, in this situation, we're putting Gordon. Uh, you know, some of that pre-switching stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There be also be a there also,
2: also be a lot more.
1: Peyton Watson minutes I think in that yeah, series sure. as
2: he's cont- continuing to come on now. I'm looking forward to the Denver Minnesota matchups later. I know.
1: But... Yeah, we, it's it's so weird uh that like we're done with the Thunder games. Yeah. We we're done with the Pelicans games for like a yep. month. they already put yep. them four times. Um yeah, I mean that that's just like I I think this Thunder series has been super fun. Yeah, uh, just yes. just all all four games of it. Um last night total like playoff feel. Uh, in in the game, not just like you, know, you like can turn a game on. You like watch the players playing. You know, you know this is more of a playoff atmosphere. There's the intensity of guarding the ball in the fourth first quarter. Um, Nobody's but, scoring sixty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. exactly. Um, but even even in this, what I think has been uh really fun is the that signals it's a playoff field too. Is this the the coaching battle mm-hmm. of it too? Um, you know seeing multiple games and the way that finch manipulated the matchups the first two games with um you know Gobert on chet then this next two games with Gobert on giddy or another uh non-shooter and how that puts mcdaniels on chet and we'll, we'll, we can talk about that a little bit later too how well that's worked to kind of shut off chet um and then, you know, Dagnall doing doing things too, super intentional about matching all Chet's minutes to go for defensive purposes. Dort on Ant, who I still think Dort might be one of, if not the best on Ant. Like, I just, I personally really like that sort of stuff. Not just the feel of an intensity of a game, but in the first quarter, they're doing offensive, defensive subs with like a minute left in, in the quarter. I'm like, okay, you know, this is fun. And it was just, uh, I think cool for both fan bases probably to be like, what? It's January 29th, ninth on a right. Monday. Like they're like we're at a back to back. And this game feels real, you know. Right. Um right. I I, I love that. And uh yeah, it gets me excited for the playoffs in general, it gets me excited for hopefully these two teams playing each other uh, again down the line. At least more games like this, you know, when
2: Denver comes up on the schedule and whatnot. Like just the I think the fact that it was the last one, the fact it was for the season series, all this stuff, like that a lot went into it. You know, mm-hmm. like because it's kind of yeah. feels like it's worth two. Um, they all count the same, but that it was, like it kind of was, uh, you know, yeah. Now it'll come down to a divisional record, which you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> see how the wolves do against Denver, I guess. I don't know, like, you know, I mean, uh, but that because how many games in the past, and this is just always the easiest example for me before Rudy was here, was it the wolves had Carl, and then we would just see like the opponent, good opponent, bad opponent, whatever they would just put like, yeah, we got this seven foot center, get slow. Uh, you guard towns, seven footer on seven footer. And and then they would single cover in the post. And then he would also go up top and we would just be like, this team scout at all. Like, did they do it? Did they put (laughs) any time into this? Like, because they're literally then called to the two things that he's best at. Right. And just be like, well, it's our seven footer. So that goes on their seven footer. Uh, and then you'd see like the Clippers and you'd be like, Oh, the Clippers scout, like they actually (laughs) have a game plan. Uh, you know, so like, it's, it's, and it's so rare to get these teams that are like, no, let's let's try to win this game. Let's put our best foot forward to win this game. Not just like, let's just do what we always do. It's one of eighty-two. Let's just try to let's just see what happens. Yeah. Like it's fun to see teams like, you know, people talk about coaching and whatnot. It's like a lot of times like teams aren't really putting that much schematic thought into a lot of these games. It's just like you guard you, you guard you, you guard you should be our best one. And that's right. it. You know, well, so like one, there's not
1: time. Right. Two, there's some you don't like... want to
2: be failing heads uh, on constantly every night, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you are worried about some of your own things that you're doing um, and trying to get your stuff right. So, but it's just like there aren't that many of them out there. So, when they do come up games like in the regular season, where yeah, like, love we're like, we're going to put a lot of eggs into this basket. Like, mm-hmm. it's great. It's great. Yeah. You know, like, and, and the Thunder are doing that on the second half of a back to back. like, you know, they mm-hmm. put some thought into it probably ahead
1: of yesterday morning, you know. So, that's it's fun. It, it was crazy. They like, bench their starters in the fourth against Detroit uh on Sunday afternoon when they played. And they were down by like fifteen or whatever. But yeah, I yeah. But great. against
2: Detroit is like a you could still
1: win that. You I, know, know, like, I was yeah. I, honestly I was I was surprised. I you was were the only that. person watching the game. Yeah. <laughs> I had the football Maybe game. Maybe some I Thunder fans. I don't think the Pistons fans off. were I don't think Pistons fans in the game. I think Pistons fans were already drunk in preparation. Yes. For, yes uh, yeah for for the, the Lions game. Uh, all right, let's grab our let's grab our first break here. Today's show is brought to you by Your Home Improvement Company. Um, your home improvement company for any sort of home improvement needs that you have. Uh, we ask always with all these sponsors if you have a need for this type of product, you know, keep it in in the Wolves family here. The Your Home Improvement Company is uh, supporting this show. And uh, we would love if you would support them with your business. They have a deal on uh, Windows buying to getting to free. Um, As always, with your home improvement company, it's zero interest, zero payment, no money down until 2025. Uh, They also have bathroom deals, 40% off uh, your entire bathroom project. And the project uh, can be installed in in one day. Worry-free installation backed by material and labor warranties. If you're interested in either of these things from your home improvement company, uh, the number is on the screen here, 952-243-3502. Or you can go to YH ic.com again if you i know not all of you have a home improvement uh project but some of you will do one this summer please uh, consider or at least talk to uh, your home improvement company where it's your home made better and then quickly uh let's uh let's look at pricepix pricepix.com pricepix app promo code dane for a $100 sign up bonus they have the demons and goblins feature for mba which i think uh, is fun. And I'll just kind of show it right here. Uh, the It's an amplifier or, you know, takes it down. Like Colin Sexton tonight his over under uh, his projection on um, points is 18 and a half points. And, and, you know, if you, if you do that and you do marking in at 23 and a half points and you get both of those uh, that's a, that's a three to one payout there. But if you go, demon mode uh colin sexton's number goes up to uh to 24 and a half and if you say more uh on that 24 and a half and if you bump marketing's up to demon mode to 29 and a half so you say you know sexton and marketing i mean you would need to do players from from different games but both of those hit you know that's a 10 and a half to one uh, proposition so it's just another way to have like some amplifiers if you're doing a two-leg uh prize picks thing here i think this is a fun way to you know, actually be able to turn, you know, five bucks into 55, or like it says here, 20 bucks into $210. So just check out, uh, with the NFL season wrapping up, uh, prize picks. They have these, these amplifiers that I think it is, uh, are, are fun to do. Again, that's prizepicks.com or in the prize picks app if you want a $100 sign up bonus. I, Definitely didn't put that on the screen, did I, Jason? I was looking no, at, you it at the other tab. I didn't want to interrupt. I thought it was rude. Yeah, um, there you go. I was like, go. as you
2: can see here, 20 for 210. I was like, we can't see anything. We can't right? see anything. We there, trust there you. It is. We trust you. There's,
1: you can see the little, you can see the little demon uh on there. there's the goblin. And, and it, it amplifies it. So it also says, you know, you know, you go from a three to one proposition for a ten and a half to one proposition. You know, if you're banking on a, a really a really good game from those guys. Uh, you know, it's a it's a fun way to to do it. Again, uh promo code Dane for $100 sign-up bonus on prize picks.
2: I probably wouldn't do sexton to score more than 24 and a half and Mark in
1: this score. Yeah, yeah, They were just the, and the, the, and the, the the top two uh yeah. demons that were up there. But it, it's Utah's going them, for 140 tonight. Some of them though are like uh you know, it's like seven and a half rebounds is what the projection set at. And then the demon one is like eight and a half. You know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you kind of like, I feel like this is a game where the center is going to have, you know, double-digit. Like, there, there's some of that right. there. And I, as always, none, we're not suggesting any sort of 10-to-1 position is, is is 50-50, <laughs> but it, it's like literally five bucks. I think it's like, that makes it so much more fun. Even like at the NFL and stuff like that. Like, okay, I lost five bucks here. But then in the fourth quarter, if you're sweating, sweating out like a one more reception for Reishi Rice, like, I don't know. I I... I, I think it's especially
2: uh, the fun. NBA. Like you can, it's fun to watch games, but like on a tonight, you know, I don't For know sure. who the TNT games are. It's like, yeah, if you're like, I need this guy to score thirty more points. Yeah. Like you might not really care who wins, but like mm-hmm. now you need that. And like it's like this is
1: way more fun. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> um, we uh, a- another thing you wrote about uh, this week, and you and I were were, were texting about this, and I was. It, the 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 four non-shooter thing that that happened in in the Spurs game and you know I it was what I led the show with off the top of that and I thought it was you know a mistake by by Finch yeah. to have done that in the Spurs game and you did too we again we were touching yes. then you then you wrote it here but but your point was kind of like the spacing itself from having added shooters is not the only factor that led those non-shooting lineups to 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 fall apart and I I, there's a lot of things I I liked in there but one I'll just start by saying that rotation you still had Mike Conley out of this game against the Thunder and you didn't get back to any of those egregious non-shooting lineups in this game which was really my what I tried to make my main point at least uh, on the pod was that I think you have enough shooters on this team at all times to be playing at worst, you know, a two-two non-shooter lineups and go into four like they did there. I think somewhat predictably cost them there. But you have a you have a slightly different opinion. I, I want to talk about it a little bit and talk about how that helped last night. I think having uh, the rotation be different so as to have a little bit more shooting on the floor. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think one thing about last night is you could be like, that was good last night. It was like, yeah, uh, and play more than 40 minutes, uh, big games. You're not always going to do that. It it might, that's the best way to win each game. Um, but you're not going to do that over the course of a regular season, um, again and again. But it, I just, uh, I'm kind of of the belief that like, yes, they were without Mike Conley again. And like, yeah, you have to adjust to that. But like, you're going to get some wrong, you know, like as a coach and like, like I said, like I was texting with you about, it. I was like a couple of those were turnovers within the first, like three seconds of a shot clock. Like that's the first pass. J man brings it down the court. J Mac brings it down the court and is going to pass the Nas. He does one of those out and then goes back to cut. And J Mac throws it like he's coming out and it's picked off. It's like, that's just like a communication thing to start the possession. Another one is Rudy's like, first screen within the five seconds. And it's, and it's a moving screen call. And it's like, okay, like that can happen with your best lineup, um, and obviously, like I agree with the idea of like the process wasn't good, um, yeah. and then the results also weren't good, and it doesn't mean though like if those five guys played again, it probably wouldn't be that bad. Like I I, it, I agree it with could that. Could be bad and not be mm-hmm. that bad, you know? Like so, it's it's not like it was like this was the dumbest idea ever. This was literally like asking them to lose this game. It's like Mm -hmm. things just went wrong as well. But I agree like they would shouldn't do that. I don't think they will do that again. It was a one off. It was like a one game like this was not good for us. You know, it's like sometimes you're trying to find different things when a guy like Conley's out. It's like, well, what should we go to? Um, Mm -hmm. And then you see it in action as like a coach. You're like, oh, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, So, like, I, I just think like you can say like, that was bad rotations. And then as long as they're not trotting it out there, like every game, you know, <laughs> again and again and again, it's like, you, I think it's probably pretty forgivable, you know, like look at how many, I mean, just like watch other teams, look at how many different rotations where you'd be like, why are they trotting out this lineup? And right. they do it all every game. It's like every one of their bench lineups and it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. like, I'm definitely a, a thing like last night, Ben, when you Troy Brown plays instead of shake Milton, Troy Brown only plays one shift. No. Uh, but, but it's just, like, trying to make sure that you don't end up in those spots again.
1: Yeah, no, I, I it's it's the classic, and I, I think I do this a lot, you know, it's the, the classic, like, hyperfixation on the team that you watch all the time, right? And, and I get it.
2: It's, like, I mean, especially for yeah. us, like, making content, writing, podcasting, it's, like, if you're not going to talk about each game, like, at mm-hmm. length, then what do you have? Sure. You know,
1: like... But, but to your point, like... You know, I could turn on a Mavs game and not, you know, not know about some of those subsets of things that are contributing to issues, but for the for the team for for the whole season. So I might just miss that, you know, completely, and then afterwards I wouldn't be like, they lost to the Kings, you know, Jason Kidd, terrible, terrible, whatever. I, so I, I, you know, I, I, I get that, and um, I, my whole point with it was like. I get you're going to get to some of these lineups that are crappy at at times. I just think, and I do believe this, when you have a roster that already is struggling offensively and particularly struggling in the shooting ses- spacing area, it's just it's an area you got to be uh, intentional about and more intentional than what they were in in the Spurs game. Granted, it's a Spurs game in the middle of January, all that, um, and and they were they're more intentional about it against Oklahoma City last night. And so to me, you know, like thumbs up. You know, you you made some adjustments. You switched when Carl was in versus Rudy was in. You played Troy Brown a little bit, those sort of things. Jordan McLaughlin made some shots. Um it, really smart it was, adjustment
2: there. Well, but yeah. <laughs> really J Mac made a couple go four for four from the field and make two threes. That's smart.
1: Was. And the third one of the <laughs> other ones is put his foot was on the line there too. Right, right. But but that uh, that that ties into the like uh, the end of that article where your sort of like thesis was. This justifies getting a backup point guard, not just a backup point guard, but that uh, a backup point guard who can shoot. That can shoot. That's what. It's part. hard. It, like,
2: I mean, it, this is just the way I like. It is like you can't have three guys out there. Like, and so like Rudy and Kyle are probably going to play some together. So then like the backup point guard is negated, whether it's Shake Milton or Jordan McLaughlin, because there's just not enough shooting on the court. Then if you have those three guys out there, mm. and they do like some Kyle Rudy stuff, they like that. Um, and so now it's like. Now you're really handcuffing yourself with your rotations. Like we've got this bench guy who we like to play with Rudy, but then we can't have another bench guy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, it does make the spacing really tight unless J Max just all of a sudden starts knocking down a bunch of shots. But if you just assume he's going to be a similar shooter to who he's been his whole career. Like I do think that not everybody's meant to play with Rudy Gobert. I do think that's why Shake Milton has looked worse than he has at any other point in his career. Um mm-hmm just the pure lack of spacing out there. It's hard to play within. And if you can't be a part of the solution, then the problem only makes things tougher for you. Um, So I I think there is something into like, maybe your backup point guard, no matter what you're giving up or taking, like uh, a must have has to be like, they can knock down at least
1: 36, 37, just be a threat from deep and be confident taking those shots as well. Well, and it's like, I mean, I think there was a handful of different reasons why Jalen Noel, had the worst season of his career last season but maybe yep. some of it was yeah playing those minutes with with rudy gobert and right. when you are that bucket getter get to the basket around the past like you kind of need lived, the space you know? to right. be able to do that and that space is is compromised by by rudy gobert i mean in the past you and i had said it like one of the best
2: bucket getters like one-on-one that the yeah. team had in previous years it For was sure. like, i know like if he gets somebody one-on-one <laughs> he's gonna score. I mean right. But now when things are clogged, you have to it's not what a, it just
1: isn't one on one anymore.
2: Right. That that's it's it's kind of and, kinda, and, and so like simple. If the three-point threat isn't a huge one for you, and so they can kind of give you a little bit of space out there and they've got a bunch of help in there and like things get congested really quickly. And for Minnesota, like the offset of what Rudy brings defensively is so worth it. Um you know for, sure. for any offensive spacing type of things. But you need some guys who can shoot the ball um uh, to mm. like to mitigate that and that's why like a mike conley pairs so well because he shoots the three at such a high clip that when he's out there a lot of times it doesn't look like there is a spacing issue with Rudy. Right. you know um like if you can't come off the pick and roll and pick and pop and they sag back at all and you can just knock down the three like great you yeah. know like i I just i really do think if you especially if you want rudy to play some of those second unit minutes um which is gonna have to play some sure uh, but if you want to play chunks of them you and and kyle's going to be out there in second unit minutes like you you can't really have a guard who can't shoot unless he's traded
1: oh hey, Kyle, Kyle saying, traded. yes yes like, I was like, I was that, like that's already talking about yeah. Kyle yes, well, yes that's just like yeah. a
2: that is another that's another way to fix it but then you need to get another shooter mm-hmm. back for Kyle like,
1: exactly and, and you lose a lot defensively there too yep. but I mean that well, was defense
2: is still a I mean I'm yeah. always against that because you can get as frustrated as you want about the offense like this team is where they're at because they are so good defensively and giving and up any of that, part of that. Yeah, I think could be a mistake. I just don't I don't like any part of shifting your identity. Yeah, Um I think you can try to, like, get
1: better on the margins without shifting who you are. It did. And I, I don't know if this is for sure true, but because Kyle also like he a couple of guys got hit in the middle section yesterday that like threw off how long they were, how the rotations were, you know, kind of charted out to work. But generally speaking, I thought in that matchup last night, Finch was. There were more parameters on on Kyle Anderson minutes. I think he only had this a, a one one shorter shift in the first half. It, it felt like that, at least to me. And maybe that's if you aren't trading him, you know, that's that's part of the accommodation uh, matchup specific. But I, I want to get back to the the trading for a backup point guard thing because I think as we sit here, what, nine days away from the trade deadline or whatever, um. I'm just, I'm not um, the getting a backup point guard train. I don't think that's where I am as of now. And, and and part of that is I'm just looking at it as like they got one bite at the apple and yeah. the, in the, in the trade market, because all oh, you have to, you have limited contracts that one that you can trade to get people back. And we really just have four second round picks, and I guess like a couple of first round swaps, but just limited assets to be able to go out yeah. and make a move. Period. So I'm looking at it at one bite of the apple um, in terms of a trade. And you have kind of three quote unquote needs, like we've said all season, backup point guard, bucket getter guard or or movement shooter. And I think you use the assets, the second round picks on one of those things, and you use the buyout market for another one of those things. And I think where I'm at is if they go back point guard at all. I would say do that in the buyout market and <clears throat> use your assets uh, to go get something a little bit more dynamic that I think has higher upside uh, than a backup point guard does. I think backup point guard addresses the lows of this team and obviously protects you some about from Mike Conley missing games, being 36 years old and everything. But I'm also just kind of at the point of, if Mike Conley's hurt, this is screwed. Like, it's not going to, you know, having Monte Morris to plug into the starting lineup in the playoffs if Mike Conley rolls his ankle or whatever. Yeah. I think you're kind of done
2: anyways. I agree with you. It worked great for, like, it, it helped Ember, like, be a sixth seed when Jamal Murray was out. It didn't help them win any playoff games, you know? Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm with you in that, like, uh, that he can carry on. Sorry, I know you weren't, like, done. But No, no, no. no, no. I, it's, I it's 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 like the backup point guard thing. I thought about this, too. I think it maybe helps you win a few more regular season games, like maybe a couple, like two. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If and that's not a, a zero game. value
1: proposition Right, because the either. seating
2: matters and positioning yourself matters. Sure. Um, I'm not sure if that's what helps you win a playoff game, win more mm-hmm. playoff games, which yeah. should be kind of the ultimate goal. So I, I don't disagree.
1: And, and then I think the logic carries that even if it's your eighth, ninth man, if it's a dynamic shooter, maybe it does. Like, I think it's much more likely that the movement shooter plays in a playoff series and "quote unquote" wins you a game than uh the backup point guard you know staving off things uh to to win you a playoff game there I'm not saying it's it, it's not a need on this team I'm just looking at it through the lens of limited assets and also like do you use all the limited assets you have at this trade deadline right now I know there's a case to be made for like all in and you're you're good and everything but like if they did do you know, four seconds and a swap at the deadline for something you go into the off season, like without future assets at all to be, to trade, you turn into kind of like the Phoenix suns. Yeah. The wolves are going to have their pick every other year. They could tr- like, they yep. can trade their first coming Make this summer, and but yeah, not, yeah. you can't yeah. trade that at the deadline. You can trade that um, on, draft on, night. on draft night. So we're talking about in trade windows. You need to have future assets to have. And right now, um, because they picked up three, in the D'Lo-Nah deal, Conley deal, um, that helped. But they also used some to trade up for Leonard Miller. It's just, it's limited assets. And I think that's just an important, like, framework to be thinking about the deadline in general. What's just, what's, what a,
2: is it? anything is you think any team's ever going to, like, do the ultimate handshake agreement with that first-round pick thing? Like, hey, we're going to make a <laughs> deal and it's going to look super one-sided for us. And then on draft night, that pick is obviously yours. We agree to it privately. And then on draft night, we make a deal that looks like, whoa, that's all you got for that first round pick. But it's from this past trade that we just made that nobody says we, anything Couldn't about.
1: they connect the dots there pretty easily? Sure, the league could, but when it's like, what? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It is a funny. Just it try it one time. Yeah. You know,
2: like. <laughs> I
1: mean. The it's... second we
2: make the pick, we can trade it,
1: but not before that. Like
2: that's really stupid.
1: It it, is a really dumb rule, and and maybe some people don't know why this is a rule. Like it's it's called the Stepien rule, and it's because like uh, something Ed Stepien, I think that was his name. Like just traded all his team's picks, got fired, and like you know it's kind of to protect teams uh, from themselves a little bit. So you do have at least every other year a young player like coming into. Yes. uh the the pipeline and beating the, the yeah right which the wolves are you know to some extent yeah you will know, probably probably going to need but yeah i would say like the the you talk about like the
2: assets and like i would the i don't think like a tyus jones trade happens here but say you did say you put in a bunch of assets for that like just as like a hypothetical player mm-hmm. um it's at least then more likely if your thought is in the mind of like well then this person maybe is our back as our point guard next year Maybe we don't think we get Mike back. Maybe that's just going to be difficult to bring Mike back. There's just no guarantee we get him back. Mm -hmm. Um, So now like back up this year starter next year. So we are investing in our future as well. Like that's where you can justify, I think putting more assets in versus like, why are we doing this just to make like a little Mm -hmm. one run? And I don't even know how many more wins this guy brings us in this run anyway.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. If you, yeah, if you are the wolves and you're, and you know you have spending restrictions that aren't going to let you no matter what pay Mike Conley 24 million dollars next year or something and you go okay so if that's we know that's what Mike's market value is right and we're going to let him go we need to maybe preemptively uh, address that and we think Tyus Jones is only going to get 14 million or something like that and you feel like okay we trade for him now and then you sign for him there um, you know, th- there's there's a, a a case to be made for that. It helps a lot when you you know you got, and maybe they do have this with Tyus because he's a Minnesota guy, but it it's a little bit different of a proposition than like the Knicks trading for OG and Anobi, whose son represents OG and his dad is Leon Rose, who runs the the Knicks. You know, there's right. uh, doesn't have that cost certainty there, right? Right. Um, but that that is a you know that's a that is a fair thing to to point out i mean i guess i just haven't gone there too much in my head because yeah yeah still no. operating under the assumption that uh that mike is is back but
2: i think so too yeah, yeah i'm just laying out things of like when you bring up like and, it, and i was trying to say like not tie a specific like just mm-hmm. a name just an example so people can sure. picture it in their head of like Mm -hmm. you're more willing to spend assets if you think like actually this will also help us down the road this player is not just a rental it's a it's a piece that we think actually like kind of helps refill our pipeline or whatever um, moving forward here as well as helping us win a few games this year tice is an easy one to do that with but insert any player where you think that could be the case and now it's like well now it is worth emptying the assets a little bit more because it's a future investment as well
1: Today's show is brought to you by Duer. That's D U E R. And why I like to wear Duer is because when I'm choosing what to wear, the key is to be comfortable. That's why I'm loving my Duer jeans. Duer denim is the perfect mix of comfort, style, and stretch. Historically, I haven't been much of a denim guy, but I like these Duer jeans because they aren't so stiff. I have the performance denim athletic straight style in the heritage rinse. I've been wearing these to games. I brought them on the road trip I was just on because I figured I can wear them to the game. I can wear them out to dinner. Durer also makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch, breathability, moisture absorption, complete with temperature-regulating, antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. From the performance denim to the no-sweat jogger, I can find a pair of that fits any occasion. Plus, doer values sustainability and uses 85% plant-based materials for natural softness and comfort. Upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of doer jeans today. Check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdewar.com Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, Shop. D-U-E-R.com slash Dane Moore. All one word my name. This is an awesome deal. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data
1: specifics uh from the the game last night uh the main thing i have written down here is kept turnovers low yeah um the first three matchups 19 turnovers 21 turnovers 21 turnovers uh which if you're not familiar with turnovers per game numbers that's really really high um last night in the win uh only 13 that was obviously a a driving factor in the wolves being able to stay in this game and win this game and that ties to the late game offense we were talking about. Uh I also thought the wolves shot it really well. Uh Maybe. The shot they yeah. just did as looking it up um 14 of 28 from 3 but only 15 of 28 uh, at the rim uh which I don't know I guess you're probably not going to shoot 50% every time from 3 that you play Oklahoma City though they're going to that's what they kind of do. They they push you to make threes and try to load up to take away the lane, um, which kind of takes takes away the rim. There's there's an opportunity for the wolves to do more at the rim uh, against this team. Uh, I, I thought a lot of that just you know could have been more offensive rebounding. Like Rudy had so many like tip tap like five or six times where it's like, man, if he secures that offensive rebound, goes back up to to dunk it or kicks it out, you know to to a shooter. I think there's more that they could have done to expose Oklahoma City uh, on on the interior. Uh, But that, you know, that kind of ties to the rebounding and being a big team, which the Wolves are a big team, but they don't always impose that. Um, I guess to point that this could be even better against Oklahoma City is that there's some low-hanging fruit to dominate inside uh, a little bit more. But big that they did hit their threes at a high clip and big that they they kept the turnovers down
2: yeah they just don't like you know that that low hanging fruit thing i agree with you like it's always a thought of potential down the road but it is like it it sits there for a long time so like i'm Mm -hmm. not sure when they're ever gonna grab it they grab it like once every two weeks and then the other times they're like i don't even like that fruit just sour for me you know or whatever like that's that's literally just what it is so like i don't know if in future matchups they'll do it um just cuz that's just not really their MO. Uh mm-hmm. you know like if if Rudy's going to go out and dominate the game on his own volition like that is how they are big, you know, and and otherwise they're not really. Um in some ways like defensively they're long and that bothers people but like just as far as being big and controlling the paint, sometimes yes, oftentimes no. It just kind of is what it is. I wanted to see what you thought of these numbers. So like over the course of the first 3 games of the year uh against OKC like OKC had 160 plus open or wide open shots. The Wolves had like sure. 110. It was like a 50 shot difference over those three games last night. Like I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, I think the Wolves defended pretty well. Like obviously OKC missed some shots, but the numbers from last night, open or wide open shots for Oklahoma City, 57 for Minnesota, 37. Hmm. Why do you think that like so now this is three games where it is it is bearing out to about like in, I mean, four matchups where Oklahoma City averaged like. 18 more open or wide open shots per game than Minnesota. Like, but I know that's an imperfect stat, like tracking all that stuff, but like really, like that big of a margin, it's it's, a thing. So I don't, I don't know like what to even do with it, but it just seems like significant.
1: It's drive and kick. I I, I think like a drive and kick three, particularly in tracking data, like I'm pretty sure it marks where the defender is, like on the catch in theory. Yeah, yeah, and so it's so you picture a driving kick, right? Like Shea's going down, and he kicks it to Dort, and Carl's kind of helped out on the Shea drive, and now he's recovering back to Dort. It weren't even all
2: threes, though. I mean, like there was a, Mm. it was a, it was a higher percentage of non threes than even in the past, but there were a lot of threes. There
1: obviously were a lot Mm -hmm. of threes.
2: That is mostly where those numbers are going to come from.
1: Yeah, but I hear you on the. I, I I just think there's one maybe the tracking data like somewhat overrates that. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of it, um, th- those are those are high quality looks. Like, right? That's what you want. Driving kick is what you want. I mean, it's just the yeah. easiest three. In like in ways, it's almost easier than, a, uh, you know, just like a corner, like swinging it around the perimeter where you have to like catch, turn your body to shoot it. Like a driving kick that comes right at you. That's like shooting pocket, go right up. Like, right. I think that's part of the reason why Oklahoma City has such a good three point percentage this season. Even though I look and I go. Not many shooters. You know, right? Like and, right. and door like the Dort one's weird and like Giddy takes um if they swapped out Josh Giddy for a shooter, oh they would be significantly better offensively. I, I mean yeah that it it's I mean that's an Oklahoma City takeaway I have Yes, from yes. this game is I know, and I know Dort has has made his threes and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah, more like Nikhil, right? Where it's yes. you know, yep. You know, I'm pretty some confident. games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a there's a. You don't hate when he chart. takes
2: it. You don't hate when he's taking them. They just not. They're going to be games where they don't go in.
1: Yeah, Malik just...
2: Beasley had plenty of those games, and he's a great shooter. Exactly.
1: You know? It, it's just interesting from the Thunder perspective, given all the assets they have and all this of like, okay, so you know, is is Dort or Giddy, you know, the the piece that you would send out in a deal with some other first attached. And it to can't it. be Dort. Yeah. Well, but then but then you're you like you're looking at the two and you go, Okay, well, like Cason Wallace maybe turns into more of a Dort over time. So you kind of still have that archetype on your roster. Maybe he's the the one you let go of. I think like most people would point to Giddy, particularly because he probably just has more asset value as a player, you know, um, obviously what's happened with him this season has, you know, that it, it's like the Miles Bridges situation of, right. You know, how does that impact a player's trade value? Once we like operate in the real world, not as, right. as strict assets, but yeah, you know, you, you I, I feel pretty calm. I'm mean, going to watch a good amount of the thunder and watching these, four games against a high level contender or like high level competition for them, uh, in the wolves. And you go, I I do think they probably eventually will need to, you know, move on from one of them. And I think, you know, maybe some Thunder fans would, would roll their eyes at that and be like, no, we have Davis Burton's contract that we can use to, to trade for it. And I, and I, and I, you know, I, I I get some of that stuff, but I don't know. I, I feel like, in the playoffs at some point, they're going to start starting Isaiah Joe just because they don't want to deal with getting guarded the way that the Wolves guarded them. I mean, that's a that's a huge part of this game, too, in my opinion, is yep. the Wolves found a great way to guard the yep. Thunder, much yep. like they did against with Denver. Denver, yep. Um, it's starting to starting to feel like that, and I would give, you know, hat tip to Finch on that. I was the Denver series, you know, you know, I talked about this a bunch. I was like, I don't know about Carl and Jokic. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. And then it ends up being probably the best way that the Wolves can match up with them. Um, same thing, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, Chet kind of killed them. I kind of want Gobert on Chet. But then it, I had didn't even think about putting McDaniels on them and, and what they, what they found there. So um, they did a good job. Oklahoma city is a good team, but like most good teams, like the Wolves flawed. Right. And I thought, I thought Finch and the defense in particular did a good job of you know, kind of scraping at, at some of those flaws. It is definitely like,
2: uh, Minnesota where like, it's, it's good coaching for sure. It's also a lot easier to be a coach when you have options. And it's like, it's like, I thought Finch was supposed to be this offensive genius, you know? And it's like offensively, they've got some really guys who make a lot of bad decisions and don't always, and just are not conducive to running good offense on their own, like these Mm -hmm. players. Defensively, they look like great coaches. They've got a lot of really good defensive pieces. Yeah. You know how many teams can play the chess yeah. match that Minnesota can play defensively, like that against yeah. OKC. I agree with you. Like other teams will guard OKC like that, um, but it's usually not with the benefit of like a because we want Rudy Gobert to still dominate the paint. Right, you like, know? Goody,
1: like and Rudy on Giddy is is a whole
2: yeah. Being able to have thing, the yeah. personnel where your most impactful defensive player can be your guy who's wandering. Um, and and kind of just mm-hmm. you know maneuvering around the defensive court and helping wherever needed, that's a huge asset. And then to be able to be like, uh, Jane McDaniels will go on Chet because we still have two other good perimeter defenders, you know, like yeah. it's so much easier to be this team is is still like wired towards being a defensive team. Like, right. you know, Jane McDaniels is not an off, awesome offensive player, he's a decent offensive player. Uh, you know, like Rudy is obviously almost tilted entirely towards defense like Nikhil is tilted towards defense so yeah their defense is going to be better they're going to look like better defensive coaches because they have these amazing chess pieces to move around the board and uh, you pay a little bit for that offensively but that's what you've got you
1: know mm-hmm. And like well, personnel matters and and Ant being able to take on more of those matchups is big too to put Jaden not be 99% of the time needing to guard the ball you know yeah. and and Nikhil, too. I think we just know that one a little bit more. Like Even if it's just like an inning here or an inning there, right, yep. where Ant is able to to guard that guy, that makes a difference because you can get away with Jaden then on Chet. And, you know, if Nikhil's in the game, then Ant, you don't have to guard him. But if you're in the game with J-Mac or whatever, yep. we need you on, on Shea uh, there, too. I will say this game was a lot of zone. Uh, yep. from the, yep. the Wolves in particular, that was a Interesting adjustment it was an adjustment to the Garden giddy plan with Rudy Not working giddy hit three threes In the first yep. six minutes of the game right And then he missed and his last four he, you know? missed, he, he Missed his last four all mm-hmm. after the wolves uh, Switched his zone. I know they didn't Exclusively play zone right but They it was interesting like They took Gobert out of the game Went zone and I'm like oh you Know they do this a lot when they're concerned About a main score guy And Rudy's not on the floor they play zone With with cat there but uh, they played zone once Rudy came back into, and that is, uh, you know, it's becoming a staple of the Wolves' identity too. Is that they play zone often, uh, and they even do play zone when when Gobert is on the floor. And when you're a team defined by defense, as this team is, I think that's that's pretty noteworthy uh, there too. Yeah,
2: it's what's going to be interesting, and I I agreed with it a ton last night. Um, mixing in the zone, and obviously it worked. If a uh, if Jalen Williams misses like. Two, three weeks. Like, does Oklahoma City fall a little bit back in this picture? Does it turn into more of a Clippers, Nuggets, Wolves thing? Like, what do you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it I, just seems like I they don't need think...
2: that shooting and that scoring.
1: Like, right. It, well, who's the Jalen Williams replacement on that team? Like, it's Kenrich Williams, you know, yeah, or you go yeah, like right. even smaller, which against, you know, maybe some regular season teams, like, they'll, I guess painting the picture of it, if it is fine, you know, maybe that that's just not getting uh, exposed as much, but, but yeah, they, they could, they could certainly, you know, lose some games here. I mean, one of these four teams between the Wolves, Nuggets, Clippers, and Thunder are going to fall to the, at least the four. Right. Like, yeah. Right. And that's what know. the math says. Yeah. <laughs> but then even like the, the next tier is Sacramento and Phoenix mm-hmm. and there are, 40, 38 games or whatever left in the season. Like there's there's time for the for those teams uh to you know to make a little move too. I kind of have like my eye on Sacramento a little bit. Um I watched them play Dallas the other day and they're like they don't have the defensive personnel, but they got like the defensive give a shit factor is like way up this year um with them. So it it's it is kind of like the that whole six there. And I don't mean to put the Wolves one down with like the Phoenix, who's been largely yeah, dysfunctional here, but more so just looking at the <clears throat> the West as a whole, there's yeah, it's it's going to be tight. And for all these teams, not just the Wolves, like Oklahoma City losing to Detroit on Sunday. Right. You can't you can't afford that if it's really important right. to you to be the one or two seat in this. Right. And get a play-in team at, in in the first round there. So it's that time of year where it's it's, it's fun to be checking the 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 box score every night and kind of seeing how how the standings move around. Last thing, uh, we wanted to talk about this a little bit. I I don't this need did need to be the, the first thing we talked about. Um I forgot we were talking about it. I was yeah. like what? No, you, texted yeah, night, you texted me last night. I was like, like I'll talk I about I want to talk about the I want to talk about the, the the fouling and the yeah yeah Ant made the refereeing uh, a major talking point last night as you know many people <laughs> pointed out with the picture he definitely got fouled uh, on on that dunk there, uh, and sure, I, I get you know I definitely get frustration on a, a clear missed call there. Uh, it's just me first. Where I'm at with all of it is, I think it's a it's a slippery slope. It's a it's a dangerous mentality suck uh, that I feel like Ant is falling into. Some to to be as focused as he is uh, on on the refereeing night tonight. I think he's still learning what is actually required to get foul calls on a consistent basis because they are going to, to miss some. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't totally love the whole refs and, and foul thing. Cause it's just like, not something I could actually like soberly wrap my mind around and, and talk about because it is, it is volatile. But what, what did you think about the, the refereeing last night? Ants, comments about it after the game and just sort of the overall way in which they're approaching refs right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the wolves, like they, they feel shorted all the time. Like you even hear this, even in non, like Mm -hmm. uh, on the record comments and whatnot, like, um, and you can tell kados feels like you just tell every time he like misses at the rim, even if he's not like yelling at the refs, he's like running back to himself, going, "That's a foul," you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. all that kind of stuff. And and Ant obviously throwing his arms up and whatnot. Uh, like, yeah, that they missed that one last night for sure. Obviously, like nobody's thinking otherwise. I just think like it it always comes up so much more against when you play against SGA, Luca, Embiid, and Giannis because they go to the line so much, they do every game um, that. You're comparing every single foul call to like, that's not that much contact. And how do you get that? And not this, you know, mm. like, and, uh, and I think it's, it's important sometimes to take a step back. Like, like Jim B was like every game, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm looking at the numbers and like, like the last two months, Ant's 11th in free throws per game in the NBA. Like, and it's like the separation between Ant and like number five is marginal. Like you've got the top four. Mm-hmm. And then you got everybody else. And you're getting the same whistles as everybody else. Like, And and I know you could say, well, that shouldn't be the case. You should be. How do you get up to those top 4 he He's got to completely change the way he plays basketball. Like, SGA, Luca, Joel Embiid, even Giannis. Like, they do not play a fast brand of basketball. Right. Everything is so slow, so deliberate, that, like, it's so easy to see any contact um, that you're going to get a lot of calls. You know, we're like... LeBron, like, is not, doesn't sniff anything anymore in terms of, like, the top 20 in free throws per game, um, you know? And, like, even in his prime, he never led the league in free throws per game. It's a lot easier to miss calls when you're going full force at the rim and attacking. And, like, it's mm-hmm. like, did he foul there or not? I don't know. It's a, a split second. It looked like he would jump straight up. I don't know. I think you know, it's a where when SGA is doing like the one move here and there and, and all of a sudden he's got your body turned in the wrong position and then he can go through it it all happens in a span of five seconds like my grandma could be like yeah I look like you bumped him there you know <laughs> because it's so it's happening so slowly like yeah. that's happened that's the case for all of those guys and they use it and it's a big part of their game and it's just methodical so if you want Ant to totally change the way he plays basketball and if Ant if you want these calls totally put change the way you play basketball I'm not saying it's right I'm saying it's a lot easier to miss something when you mm-hmm. are driving to the rim in .8 seconds than when you you are constantly like herky-jerky yeah. here and there, getting a guy to move his body. Okay, everybody and the ref can see it, that your body's not in legal guarding position and went through contact. They obviously saw that, so they're going to call it. Where the mm-hmm. other ones, it's like split second, you're on the spot. Sometimes they're going to call it, sometimes they won't. Um, it's more of a 50-50 proposition versus like a, yeah, that's a foul, you don't like it, but by the letter of the law, that's a foul. Yeah, no, I mean... Aust- Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves and another player like very... Jerky around gets a ton of fouls. It's not because he plays for the Lakers. Like, LeBron James doesn't get as many free throws as he should. Like, it's your style of game so much
1: that makes the difference. You're you're just, or anecdotally, again, at least, um, you're going to get more foul calls, like blocking foul calls where you let your body hit the guy, right? And somebody like that's how Luca plays, right? Mm -hmm. That's how Harden. Like he's not up there anymore. Yes. He yes. shifted playing differently. Yeah. But that was the thing. It's it's slowing down so as to get the bump, and then right. craft finish or draw the like the foul with the arms or whatever through that. Um, Ant is more like Deere and Fox than he yep. it, he is. Derek Derek Rose now didn't shoot many free throws. Exactly because you know, because like, he has something that Luca and Harden don't. Explosions. Speed and, yeah. and 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 right. athleticism. Like in addition. Uh, to, to the force there So it's a I actually think it's like a Good example of How funky of just an overall Place we're in With officiating right now with That
2: And it's not this, NBA is it, it, Turn yeah, out a yeah. college basketball game You will not think it's well officiated Watch a high yeah. school game You will not think it's well officiated Like mm-hmm. basketball is really hard Ooh. to officiate This yeah. is the way it's went Because like slow. Why is basketball so hard to officiate? It's so fast mm-hmm. So the guys will slow it down and Get more calls
1: I do think though I think and, what you're talking about is logical. He's, I don't think he's going to put that together Oh And, and I, and I, I get that well, too. People, like, players are going to be frustrated by it, you know, like, wait. But I'm talking about, work. so then what are you going to do? Like, or if you're Finch or whatever, and you're like, you know, do you express, you're just probably not going to get to your point when you get the same fouls that the, the top four guys do, but you're 11th, like, Yes, I think you've gotten fouled on some of these obviously the you know that dunk you you got fouled on we can go back and we can go back and see it but I think it's important to like get to and to realize yeah maybe you deserve or should get a couple more free throws or foul calls a night but it's probably not going to be the level of the leap that would meet your satisfaction so how do you play effectively within those probably just like realistic constraints
2: yeah i think like all finch has ever said is like we wanted to at least be picky about when he's complaining you know like mm-hmm. like be smarter about when you're doing it pick your spots like no yep. in the time of game knowing the situation these types of things like it just can't be constant because that wears on anybody and it sets a bad tone sometimes mm-hmm. um and you know like like hey, as much as like i didn't like making you just had a great win and all the comments are on the refs uh, to me i find that a little annoying but like um at least it's not Held it back to the point where I didn't get attacked them during the game. you know, like that. That's that in some way is better. Um, so that's good. Um, I just think you. Got, I think it's got to be laid out in front of them of like, yep, these guys they do this. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to become this player, a like this doesn't do that great in the playoffs always. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't. We don't really want you switching into this brand of player. Uh, but B like here's what you have to do if you want ten. Otherwise, this six and a half you're getting is actually pretty good.
1: I think part of Ant's frustration too, and this goes back to like the spacing thing is like, he's going to get a lot of bumps Yep, and stuff on, on the way there, because it's a uh, typical Ant drive has at least one person in the lane with him in Rudy. And then Carl kind of like sometimes on the perimeter, sometimes in that area too. So it's if it's both of them they're normally guarded by two of the bigger players, right? Or longer players. Like there there is just a going to be a great resistance for Anthony Edwards at the rim so long as he plays with two true bigs. Yeah. And 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 having that kind of like settle and resonate which, you know, if if you're Ant and you are privately thinking I think I could be a better offensive player in a spread floor offense, sure, I would agree with you. Yeah, like but that's not the team you're on. This team also works pretty well because that yeah. spread floor offense team that you were on would probably look a lot like the Charlotte Hornets. And now you're a, you know, now we're you're a terrible that. defensive yeah. team, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. one, one of those teams yeah, that yeah. if he didn't, I guess the, the point is like, obviously Rudy comes with a cost yep. of getting in his way. Offensively, some becomes with a massive benefit on the other side of the floor where Ant is erratic defensively. I mean it was driving me crazy in the, the first half. They were in they were in that three-two zone and you, you can hear on the broadcast Finch calling 30 30, which is their zone call, and then you just see Ant go run and like yeah, follow yeah. a guy in man where the other four guys are there, and you're like, Okay, like the one. the, the it, it's just it's you know, so the point is is yeah, ant definitely like missed a foul call there. I just think it's part of the nature of the team that he's on. And the level of player he is and how he plays, that is just not going to I don't think there's ever going to be enough that that meets his, you know, what what he expects from a from a foul drawing perspective. And to to learn that would benefit him, I think.
2: It it totally is one of those things too, where like the way it plays and it's great, getting downhill and whatnot, with ease, frankly, um, your contact's gonna be at the rim. And that's yep. just not called the same way as like guys getting into your space and providing those bumps, like you mentioned, yep. you know, at the elbow. Like mm-hmm. that the like that area is in the perimeter is policed at a much higher rate than the rim. Like the wolves benefit from that with Rudy protecting the rim. Like sure. if, if they called every like Rudy does a pretty good job with general principles of not jumping sideways and keeping his arms straight up. He's though. always got that the, hand sir. there. Yeah. On yep. 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 You know, right giving you a push sure. to the chest, yep. you know, and whatnot. Like, so you don't want it pull. You don't want the rim police super tightly unless you want sure. Rudy Gobert to have it more foul. troubles. like, it just goes both ways. Like that's the same way Rudy's supposed to be, is able to be dominant and it's not going to get some calls. It does level out more than you think it does. Um, yeah. It's never going to look that way on any broadcast, um, any local broadcast, but, that's just. I just I think like it's fine. Van wants to be frustrated. He certainly can be after that dunk. He absolutely got fouled. Uh, mm-hmm. Just you can't let it. I just don't think it should be something that's at the top of his mind every single game. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, Chase, I, I think this was a a good way to you know talk about this this Thunder win, which was a major win uh, for huge, the Wolves. Huge win. Shoot I just think win. psychologically,
2: like I said this last night, like I don't think, and people can say like, oh, well the Thunder playing the, during the day, like the Wolves knew the Thunder on the second half of a back to back. And if you lose again and you go down mm-hmm. and you lose a series three, one, then you start to wonder like,
0: oh, I I know, that good. are we yeah. that
2: good? Do we stack up that well with these guys? Can we not win any games without Mike? All these things come into your mind Um, where when you do win now, I think your confidence is back at like the peak again. And mm-hmm. now you have to, allow that to then turn into some real momentum here, but that was a real, I think, turning point for them, and I think fans felt it heading into it and all of it.
1: Yes, nope, I, I agree uh, completely. Uh, next up is, I think, another uh, tough task, though, at home uh, against uh, Luca in and the Mavs on, on Wednesday, Chris, or tomorrow. Uh, Chris and I will kind of talk about that game a little bit tomorrow. He also uh, wrote a feature on Nikhil Alexander Walker, so we'll kind of do some more big picture stuff. Talk. I think we want to talk about the, focus on the bench a little bit, but Nikhil there, uh, for sure in advance of the Dallas game on, on Wednesday night. So that's coming up tomorrow. And then also, uh, last chance, uh, to put your name in for, for two tickets for the, the game against Dallas on Wednesday. We're giving two away to uh, Patreon subscribers, P A T R E O N dot com slash Dane Moore NBA. Uh, you just send us a message on there that you're available and we'll pick somebody at uh random. You can you can sign up now and uh, and put your name in and, and you will be eligible. Uh, that's all I got uh, for today. Jace, appreciate you doing it. I have one more. The uh one more <laughs>
2: just so I looked at my notes and I was like, Oh, I yeah. should say this because people will find this funny, most fans, especially. Like, I was going through like Glenn LeBron's foul rankings, like free throws, where did he shoot? Uh, there were a couple of years where like he was tied or finished behind, and this was when LeBron was like sixth or seventh in the NBA. Above him or tied with him would be Kevin Martin. Like it's just like be <laughs> yeah. a funky basketball player, um, yeah. and you sure. will get foul calls. Like that's just it, game
1: style matters a lot. Mm-hmm. That's all no, no, that that's. And it's, you know, part of you goes, well, why is, why is that the case? like You don't want it to be the case, but it is. Yeah, right, right. But it's like, let's operate in reality. you know So these are the ways
2: the game is officiated. Like, it's not Uh like it's like they're just airing it towards this guy. They Mm -hmm. love this guy. Like, they love this style of play. And if you want to play that style of play, you'll get more calls. I don't think it's sustainable come... April, May, June. Uh, but it's not like they're just targeting. We're not
1: giving you any foul calls, and we are giving you foul calls. It's the right.
2: similar style players get similar style calls.
1: I, I think I think that's a that's a a great point, and and I think also to be fair to Ant, like he's upped his free throw rate and has like yeah. done yeah. things right. so as to get more to get, uh, you know, to get to eleven. I think he's made smart adjustments. I mean, think mm-hmm. I think back to like his rookie year, and he never would get anything because it was all just like running back in the hole. Right. You know, that yeah, was, yeah, that yep, was yep. it. And and yep. Ant is so forceful and so fast that like, there is, you can hit Ant on the arm when he's driving to the basket and it literally does nothing to impede him dunking the ball. If he's think in a about, place to dunk the ball, you know what I'm think saying?
2: Think about that dunk last night. Like, yeah. you know, if you're just watching that no all time back. under the hoop. Yeah. It's just like, it looks like it, it would have looked the exact same if nobody was even there. So, it's, like, it, yeah, that's more likely to get missed. And, I like, obviously, it's a great hit on the elbow. But, like, when there's just no, like, sign of that at all as he's just throwing it down and like...
1: It's like, like playing oh, against shit. little kids on a Nerf hoop, right? You know, yeah, where you're just, yeah. like, if
2: you're a you like, can just
1: grab shoot. onto my shoulder here. I'm still going to, yeah, like, right. pull my way through a dunk. Out, you know, like... Right. Rest right. Part, like You got hit. I didn't realize there was somebody there. <laughs> right. I, know, I will say know? I didn't catch that one live, like, in the moment. No, I was no, like, no, 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 no. no. I, my, my reaction no. in my head was I was, like, damn, like, that this was great fourth quarter offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three other yeah. guys scored. The line opened up. The the lane right, opened up for right. Ant, and he, you know, he gets it done. And then it goes to a timeout or whatever. And I like click on Twitter and whatever. It's like, what? You know, yeah, well. no foul. And I was like, right, I was right. like, oh, oh, they they did follow him. I did. You know, yeah, I didn't yeah, I didn't yeah, catch yep. that right, live right. because of the way um, he just pulls through it. You know, no, like, it's what makes him. It's weird that what makes him special is going to hurt him in the free throw category. That's uh, LeBron James. <laughs> like it's it's lebron james as well. Yeah, you know? he's a, he's a he's a freak athlete. That's that's how it goes. Um all right, uh those those two articles uh we referenced from Jake or from Jake from Jace from are some. uh up at the the Pioneer uh press. You you can find those uh on on his Twitter or just going uh, to the Pioneer Press's website. A lot of actually cool numbers I thought on the the clutch uh net rating things and how that traditionally uh, you know is something that gets in the way for for teams you know, going for a championship or or contention, so so check that out and as always follow Jace on Twitter at Jace Frederick. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I'll be back to talk uh, a little bit more big picture and uh, uh with with Chris Hine tomorrow, mostly about Nikhil Alexander Walker and and what he's you know meant to this team and sort of his story of, of getting to Minnesota. I thought Nikhil was awesome. Uh, again, last night in, in my Conley's a- absence. So that's what's coming up next. He's Jace. I'm Dane, until tomorrow uh, with Chris. Out so you like nobody else around, yeah.